That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Ah. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Welcome to Just a Sip. It's been a heavy damn month, but I'm happy to have a friend here who I could sit and laugh with, who I've known for quite some time. Um, for Million Dollar Listing, please welcome Tracy Tudor, everybody. Hi, how, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I mean, it has been a in hell of a month. So it's all gone to hell in a handbasket. And I thought I said this last year about like 2019. Like, I, I'm so done with it. Like, I can't wait for 2020. And now I'm like, maybe we should just skip to like like 2025. Like, I don't I, know. Like, next year is going to be better. Like, it's a mess. I was also that bitch who was like, mm -mm, 2019, bye, bitch. I'm about to cleanse my soul. I saged all my shit. I saged my underwear, my toy box, everything. I was ready for a fresh start. I feel bad for you because they always say, like, once you get divorced, it takes two weeks, two years to get back on your heels and, like, back in, like, your whole situation. And here you are coming out of your divorce really coming into your own on this TV show with this new book coming out and 2020 is like, eh. no, no girl, get over yourself. No, you're done. So I know it's such a mess, but you know, I was like writing the book and thinking, God, you know, this is going to be so great, but truly the book is about fear and we've sort of been living in the thick of that for, I think now everybody's getting over it. I think people are like, all right, the fear I'm getting, I'm getting really tired of it. Like even as it relates to like the race war, I think people are just done and people aren't scared to say it. And so it's kind of an interesting time for this book to be coming out because that's what I talk about. No, and I love that. And just so you guys know, fear is just a four letter word. Tracy and I have been talking about this book for about a year. And there's a few things I want to talk about before we get into the book, because, you know, a lot of people see you on Million Dollar Listing, but they don't know that you've been in this real estate game for how long now? 20 years. Yeah. And real estate in LA, especially, is male dominated. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of very successful females too. But, you know, I think most importantly, all the brokerages are generally run by men. Um, mm -hmm. It's a boys club for sure. And a lot of those guys are at the top of your game. So everybody from Mauricio, who I love, Billy Rose, you know, Stephen Shapiro from West Side Estate Agency, like Kurt Rappaport, um, the guys over at Partners Truck. I mean, they're all run by men. So it's, you know, a little bit of a challenge. What's been the most challenging part with you climbing to 
the top of the echelon this, these past two decades? I would say, um, you know, finally getting the opportunity to compete at the level that I know I can. You know, it, mm -hmm. it's always like the cart before the horse, you know, with everything in life. And, you know, getting the opportunity to pitch for a listing that is out of your reach, you know, maybe you've only been listing $20 million properties and then all of a sudden there's all these massive, you know, 50 and 100 million and $150 million properties that like, well, you've never sold one. Well, how can I? I have, you know, the opportunity to. So I think the struggle and the tug of war between that and competing against the very, very small group of people that sort of own and dominate that north of, call it 30 million, yeah. is mostly men with the exception of like Joyce Ray and a couple of women. Look, I'm going to play devil's advocate because I know when I was not living in Beverly Hills or living in Los Angeles, I should say, you know, you think, oh, there's a hundred million dollar listing here. There's enough room for everybody. It seems like, you know, all these real estate agents can work because there's enough to go around. Is that the truth? No, there is not enough to go around. And right now, <laughs> particularly, um, you know, only the strong will survive. We're going to see, uh, you know, some some serious go down in this economy in the next 12 to 18 months. And in real estate, when you work solely on commission, um, it's very difficult to stand up. And just like in 2008 and 2009, you know, there were a lot of people that lost their businesses. I think we're going to see that happen again in our business. So it becomes, it becomes right now that much more competitive. I mean, people will do whatever it takes. It's a shark tank. Everybody's going out for the same listings and people are doing what they need to do good, bad, and ugly to like get the deal done. Yeah. I always say, and I, you know, I've talked to people who are in real estate and a lot of times in a lot of, you know, entertainment type, you know, jobs, it's all about presentation, but it would almost seem like, cause you're a pretty girl. You got that body. I see that those workout videos, bitch. I'm going to just come out and say it. Your motherfucking looks must get in your way sometimes. Like you must come across some scummy ass people who just want to get in your pants. So they give you that listing. How do you balance and how do you decipher I'm glad you said it because I can talk about it until the cows come home. I definitely struggled with that a lot when I was younger. And I met with this girl yesterday and I get this call all the time. Will you meet with my friend? I'm like, let me guess. She's pretty and she's getting her real estate license and she wants to work on my team. And they're like, yes. And so I've sat down with so many of them. This girl's dropped in gorgeous. She's like, you know, 25. Obviously the friend is like 55. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I was like, okay. So cut to, I'm talking to her and I'm like, look, the bottom line is you're a pretty girl. And there's about 5,000 other of you that are pretty that are getting their real estate license. And let me guess, you have friends in the Hollywood Hills. And she's like, yeah. And I'm like, okay, so how are you going to stand out? Because there's a lot of friggin' pretty girls out there that are failed actresses now moving into real estate because that's what all failed actors do. Everybody. Right? So I'm sitting there talking to her and I'm like, you gotta like distinguish yourself. So you go home. I'm like, while you're in the process of like studying for your license, I don't give a 
what you do, get on the MLS, like get on Zillow and you better know the Hollywood Hills, like the back of your hand. And I said, fake it until you make it. So when right now, when you're talking to a friend of yours, it's a bachelor who's friends with Leo who lives in the Hollywood Hills, you can be like, oh my God, you know, the market's falling apart and, you know, year over year, I mean, we're seeing a real downturn and it's about 10% down in the Hollywood Hills alone. And you got a Jedi mind somebody. You Jedi mind them and all of a sudden the 25 year old pretty girl who doesn't even have her license yet has just found her way into that room you know and there's not a lot of, of women and girls that take it they take advantage of this right like i'm pretty and so mm -hmm. like obviously people are going to want to buy real estate through me and it's like no that's not exactly how it works it can be an advantage it could also be your greatest disadvantage oh 100 yeah and for me like i think because I always had such a big mouth and I did, I always faked it until I make it. I knew that if I was competing against someone that had much more seniority or, than me or experience than me, I was like, well, but I'm younger and I'm more aggressive. So while I yes. might not have the skill set of 20 years of experience, is Joyce Ray, Ray going to show your, show your house every day? Uh, she's probably going to send an assistant where I'm going to hustle my ass over there and be working for you, you know, night and day. Now, listen, now you're at the top of the game, bitch. I see those numbers. I see your name on all those big listings in Malibu. Yeah. Are you still showing those houses? Are you still getting those Louboutins on those wood floors? Like, are you still going after it with that same veracity 20 years later? Well, I have to say this, like, you know, a lot of times I'll get calls from clients who have like a $2 million property or a friend. It's like, you know, I just didn't really want to bother you with it because I just feel like it's like beneath you. And I was like, whoa. Slow your roll because for me, like my bread and butter is not $50 million sales. Like those take forever. The clients are super high maintenance. Nine times out of 10, they've overpriced it and you end up getting fired after a year and then they hire someone else to lower it. So it's, it's a lot of work and it's good to have on your resume, but at the end of the day, it's not what pays the bills. It's the 2 yeah. million, 2 million to 6 million that close, 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 close. And that's what keeps the Louboutins on my feet. Hmm. <laughs> Because <laughs> the bitch got two kids. I mean, I got I got two kids to take care of. They expensive. I mean, I'm like, it's a month to month situation. What was it like joining Million Dollar Listing and really not only exploring your career, but exploring who you were in your marriage at that point? My marriage, I've been, I was married for 14 years and together with Jason for 17 and a half. So successful. Thank you. I was like, why are people giving me shit? like I've stayed married longer than most people in this town. So about, I want to say you know, it was October of well, was four years ago. And the show had come to me after I had done an episode with Josh Altman and said, would you be interested in sitting down with this and talking about this. And I was a little uneasy about it. And then I was like, you know what? I'm a grown ass woman. Mm -hmm. I've been talking about reality shows and all of this stuff and kind of been like mm -hmm. dancing around it for 10 years. I didn't sign up for anything that, you know, and it's like, I've got kids that are off and in school from eight o'clock till pretty much four or five by the time they're done with their activities. I'm working all day. I've got a husband that has like, why can't I do this and take a chance at this to see if this would potentially launch my real estate career to the next level? And my husband didn't agree. 
he felt like it was invasion of privacy. And, you know, he likened that show to being a little bit more like the style of the housewives, which is obviously more engaging in the drama and the stuff like that. It wasn't an HGTV show where you sell on your own. No. So, you know, my marriage, I didn't get divorced because I was on a reality show. I got divorced because I've been thinking about getting divorced for three years prior to that. And it took me that long to actually jump off the fence and do it. Now, did the show kind of elevate that need to make a decision? For me, it did. Because once I watched it back, I was like, you know what? I think I'm done. <laughs> so, you know what? And I think it just, it, it shows you and is a little bit of a mirror of what you already know in your heart. And, you know, and, and at that point I was ready to make that, make that decision. And I think he was too. And I think looking back, it was probably, even though he was so mad at me for wanting to do the show, I think looking back, it was probably the best decision for us. 100%. But you were probably at that time operating out of fear of yeah. the unknown of what people would say, because we know that people are kind of judgy in Beverly oh, Hills. After that first season, people were calling me this. She's a workaholic bitch who doesn't know how to take care of her kids. She doesn't even know what age her kids are. Her husband, God bless him, is such a wonderful man. And he clearly is being left home by this like crazy career obsessed woman. I'm like, Oh, Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Facebook. You know, like if you bitches behind your screens typing all this hate at me, if you only really knew, you know, and the truth is it takes, you know, I think when you're on a show like this, you put yourself out there and you be authentic as you can. And more often than not, it takes people a while to get to know you. And just like anything else, they usually start off negative and then people warm up to you as they get to know you on the TV. Answer me this question, because you've been on the show for how many years now? My, this is my third year. is about to air. Third year. Why do other women get so heated when a woman is unapologetic about wanting to be successful and wanting to dominate and wanting to do both be a mother and also be a CEO? Why do women get so... You know, women, I just feel like when I look at your comments, and I, I have, I've watched the show and I've looked at the comments, and it's always women who attack you for wanting everything. Why do people... Like, she's so get, obnoxious and, and so entitled. I'm like, have you taken a look at my co-star with the Bentley? Like, I'm, uh, you know, like, come on. But I'm the female on the show, so there's, you know, while you have... Four other guys to sort of divide and conquer and figure out which one you ate. There's only one woman. So when they decide to jump ship and like send the red flag up, I'm, you know, I'm going to get it. And I mean, I'll be the only one that gets it. And I think it's, I think it's women that um, deep down, like in their hearts, want to have that same power and energy that I, you know, yes. I'm putting out there on the show. And I think that they're just scared to death. I really do. I think that they're, you know, at home, maybe they've got three kids, maybe they gave up their career and now they're stuck and they want to work and they want to re-empower themselves and they can't. And so the best way to make themselves feel better is to say, we're staying at home, taking care of our children. That's what you should be doing too. And it's like, now girl, mm -mm. 
And by the way, I'm down for women who, because I know what I can't do, and that's I can't be a stay-at-home mom because it is a it's a huge responsibility. It oh. is a big job. It takes a lot of patience that I do not have. So I am not knocking stay-at-home moms. I'm knocking stay-at-home moms who judge women who work, and I'm going to knock women who work who judge stay-at-home moms at the same time. Yeah, I agree. I mean, listen, by the way, there is no harder job than being a stay-at-home mom. Like, we all kind of, when we got, when we started COVID, and I was, like, alone with the kids for, like, eight weeks, and I cleaning and vacuuming like I lost it and I was like you know what cheers to all the moms that are you know able to do this every day and maintain like their sanity I was I lost it so I have mad respect for women that own for with their kids and it is a really difficult job what I don't have respect for is the judgy ones who come down on other women who want to be successful in business you can't yep. do everything at a hundred. I can't be the best mom that had ever possibly lived and be the, you know, you can't do it all. It's a juggle. And sometimes I won't be able to make it to the soccer game. You know what? My daughters understand. I have a good relationship with them because they know that I'm out working and I'm out paying the bills and I'm putting a roof over their head. So, Amen. and if anyone has a problem with it, beat it. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. How long did it take you to get to that place where you weren't putting yourself down for missing those soccer games or missing those PTA meetings because you were out there showing them what it means to be a strong woman in your eyes? It took. It was really hard and it took a long time and I still have moments where I, I get you know, disappointed if I can't be somewhere because I have an important meeting or whatever. But um, more often than not, I have conversations with my girls and we just have an understanding. So as long as my relationship with them is protected, I give two what everybody else had to say. When the show came out and I was being beaten up consistently for the year on social media, they understood it and they, they, came, they came to my defense and they were like, our mom is a badass mom. Wow works really hard. And you know what? Um, that was the best thing that could have happened to me. I don't know why you don't invite another bitch on the show and be like, y'all beat her ass up now. I need a break. <laughs> well, trust me. Listen, I, I, it would be nice to have some support, some female energy. I have Heather. I do have Heather, which is nice. And you know, she's a great, and she's a great agent. But Heather's always pregnant and no one can go after a pregnant woman on Twitter. Okay. I've learned that. Hey, they don't give a they go after Heather nonstop. She's too skinny. La, la, la. I mean, you can't win when you're a female in these in, on these shows. It's like one minute you're at the top of the world, and the next minute they're like stabbing you with like hot pokers, and it's like you just have to get you have to move past it. <laughs> What's it like dating in the year 2020? Whenever people, everyone knows who you are. Uh, 
everyone knows you're about that money. Everyone knows you're about these kids. Like, how do you find a dude who's cool with how big your dick is? <laughs> because I know some men can't take a woman with a big with a big dick. Well, let's call this like most of the men that I dated immediately following my divorce that I was in relationships with had a problem with the size of my dick. But, you know, <laughs> I think because particularly in this town, which is so generally a vain town, like particularly in Hollywood and around this, you know, where we live, sort of in the mm -hmm. center of it. I think a lot of guys that, you know, maybe were assholes or nerds in high school or whatever. And now they, you know, they made it big in Hollywood and are a producer or a successful writer. You know, they all think they're such hot. <laughs> you know, they're 55. They're overweight. They're insecure as they have a therapist and yet they want to have a 24 year old girlfriend that basically is going to worship them. And it's like, no, that, you know, obviously that's just not my jam. Like I don't fit into that mold. I'm, I have something to say about everything. I am certainly not anyone's arm candy, although I look good. <laughs> it doesn't mean I want to sit on someone's arm and be some quiet look. That's just not what I'm into. So now I go out with younger guys. Most of the time. You find it easier to go out with younger guys because they can fit into your life. For me, I'd rather not be somebody's plus one and on their arm, meaning to be at a dinner for six people where I'm like the woman sitting there and all the guys are talking. I have no interest in that. I want to be with somebody that's like, let's go do something different and interesting. And by the way, I've learned more from like the young guy that I'm dating now about life and perspective and stuff like that than I have from any guy that I dated, um, you know, post Jason that was, you know, call it age appropriate. Cause you know what, just so y'all know, Tracy and I, I live on the border of where Tracy lives. So when I go on my afternoon walks and I listen to my deep pop Chopra and my Oprah's masterclass, I <laughs> often run into Tracy and her PYT, as I call him, pretty young thing. <laughs> and he is fine. So I get it. But I also think there's like another thing where when women get divorced, why they go back to younger. Listen to this. Listen to this. I think women go back younger because if you were married 17 years, you go back and you do the math and you do, oh, 17 years. Oh, my God. I was 23 whenever I met this man. I stopped having, you know, I stopped getting that D at 23 and started just hooking up with the same dude. You almost have to go back in time and make up for all that lost time. <laughs> so the dude who you are going to be with has to have enough in gas in that engine, bitch. He better have I, Valvoline. I, I, tire, I tire him out. Let me tell Look, you. You tire him out, bitch, because you have to get that 17 years of reparations in the bedroom. Like no, you let's call a spade a spade. I'm in shape right now. I'm not tired, like rarely ever. So there's, you know, a lot of things, a lot of sex to be had. Lot. And guess what? We're in the house for 20 hours a day. You better be ready. My sheets, those frette sheets better be on fire once this is all out. Okay. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> I know books never start out and in the way they're supposed to. Yeah. Because I think writing is um, kind of cathartic in the sense that you find yourself and you find your words in the middle of things that you never thought you would ever find. What did this book start out 
as and what are we going to see on July 14th? I worked with um, my co-writer, Maxie McCoy, and we I just said, look, I have like a very specific voice and in black and white, it could be mildly offensive. <laughs> so, <laughs> Let's, like, I really wanted her to understand my voice really well. And so we spent a lot of time in person together, um, not just on phone calls. Like, she came in and lived with me for, like, a week, um, a couple of weekends um, where she'd come and we'd just sit and write together um, for hours and hours and hours on end. But I think more importantly, I wanted her to see me in my environment and and see the way that I speak because, again, I curse a lot. Like, there were so it. many f-bombs dropped in that book and we had to legit delete like 60 percent of them um because some of them just don't come off in print the way that they're intended to um but i think we were able to sort of make it be my voice as much as possible mm -hmm. and that was um something that i think i was most focused on and i wanted to be able to share you know, some stories from my life and embed that into the book. And so there's a little bit of that too. I heard there's screenshots. There's some screenshots. I heard, you took screen I heard you took screenshots of some crusty ass guys. I got some crazy ass clients that, you know, may have deserved a screenshot and a chapter. Hold on. Okay, because we hear the stories behind the scenes of the crazy, we've seen the crazy clients on TV, but I always tell people there are crazier people who couldn't even be on TV because they would lose their lives. You're exposing them, not exposing them, you're highlighting some of the crazy in this book. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's clients that have been on the show, and there will be someone on the show this season that you guys will get to see that is absolutely bad crazy. And so there's some behind the scenes moments that did not quite make uh, the series this season, but they did make my book. <laughs> so this is not, this is not a real estate book on how to flip a home in five easy steps. This is not the real estate book for the person who wants to start in real estate, but only has four hours a day. Right. This book is for, yo, this is what real estate in LA is really like. This is what being a boss bitch is. And this is how to walk in a room and own that There you go. <laughs> in a nutshell, there's the jacket. One of the most important things in this book that I was, that was pointed out to me is you talk about women having confidence in everything that they do. And, you know, yeah, you wear Louboutins, you have Victoria Beckham dresses, bitch. I've seen them in every color in your closet. <laughs> but those things don't really make the sell. It's the confidence. Why do you think that confidence plays such a big part in women's success? Well, every woman has fear. Well, I'm going to start there just to back up again. Every woman, every man, every person like striving to get to the next level in their business um, or personal life has fear about what that looks like. My whole thing is in order to be totally confident, you have to embrace the fear first. You can't like, you know, fake confidence. It's I've seen so many people do it. And to me, it reeks of desperation. And so I'm always like, I'm scared to walk into this room. I'm scared of, even in a personal relationship, I'm scared to share my feelings because then I'm vulnerable and that's, ugh, who wants to be vulnerable? Like all of that stuff that like 
we all harbor, you know, if you walk into a room and you have that sort of sitting on your shoulders or some intimidating person you're supposed to have lunch with to talk about a potential, you know, job or, you know, you're trying to negotiate a new salary for yourself or a new contract. If you don't walk in without addressing all of those fears first and being really honest with yourself about what those are and, and what your weaknesses are and kind of understanding all of it and, and sort of dealing with it, facing it head on and then like throwing it away and say, all right, like I screamed, I freaked the f- out. I, I talked to a friend about it. I'm now going to let it go. And I'm just going to walk in and I'm going to take that risk and I'm going to dive off the diving board and I have no idea how deep the pool is. And you just got to do it. And it's so refreshing when you do because you more often than not will land on your feet. And that's a combination of knowing who you're walking into the room with and understanding the people that are involved. And then, of course, like saying to yourself, what what am I most scared of? What are my biggest fears here? And addressing them and then putting it away. And then, you know, you're able to kind of walk in the room and be you. And when you're able to be you, not everybody's going to like you every single time, but the ones that do are going to be obsessed. And those are the people and the clients, those are the people you want to work with consistently. Mm -hmm. And um, the only way to do that is to be authentically yourself. And and, um, I think that just takes a little bit of like addressing all your insecurities and your fear and not just hiding them because everybody's insecure on some level. Everybody is. But I mean, listen, you've got millions and hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars under your belt in real estate sales. You are on a TV show. You have a book coming out. You're a successful woman. Do you still have those conversations with yourself about your insecurities and about the things that you're afraid of? Absolutely. Particularly right now. And I'm sure like a lot of people can relate to this. We're in a totally different world. You know, it it is scary. And, you know, it's like, it's, it's, it's the new world order. And it's like, you got to kind of retrain yourself on how you think about things. And right now that's very scary in, in my business and even in personal relationships. So, you know, for me, I, I'm facing it every single day. I don't think my journey's over at 44 and like, I've got it all figured out. Like Oprah's the only one who has it all figured out. Okay. Yes. She has it all figured out. She's the only one and, and she hasn't shared the secret yet. So Until she does, it's like, you know, I wake up every day with the same fears and I just, the only thing I probably do better than some is I really, really try to face them. Well, I mean, you go to bed with the same fears too, bitch. I've seen that 30 year old. I'd be scared too. (laughs) I bet your vagina is like, why are we doing this again? Why, Tracy? Why? My vagina is very happy. (laughs) That's, by the way, that's your next book. Your next book is oh, my, vagina's, my Vagina's Very <laughs> Happy. The, the, Tracy word. <laughs> the Journey of My Vagina. No, I think it's important. It's really important for people to know that, like, you know, when you see a woman and she's dating a younger guy, people say, oh, my God, she's a cougar. And then when people see an older man dating a much younger girl right. with a bigger age gap, it's normal. Yeah. And it's up. I don't I don't know. I mean, it's like traditional, those traditional gender roles. It just is what it is. Do I give a No, I don't. And you know what? Neither do the guys that I'm dating. Guy. You know, it just doesn't matter. So if it matters to somebody else, that's their problem. Tracy, are you doing the audiobook to this? I am. Tracy, <laughs> you need to get Tracy, you need to have three tequilas. And you just need 
Frankie's gonna go home because <laughs> I want to be there. I want to be in that recording booth, like Phil Spector in the eighties, like just telling you, like, bring it back, just one more shot, one more shot. I think I start tomorrow. I'm gonna need to have like a tequila and like a cigarette, so my voice isn't too. You know, I get a little like raspy voice or something. I want to be there. I want to listen to this book. I'm so excited for people to really get the essence of who you are and what you mean to business and what you mean to women. And it's it's going to be awesome. You guys pre-order this book. It comes out July 14th, but you can pre-order on Amazon right now in the new season of Million Dollar Listing. It's on every Tuesday night. This looks like it's going to be hot right now. Everyone's fighting. Everyone's selling bigger estates. It's unbelievable. Tracy Tudor, I love you. I love you too, baby. Mwah. Thank you. Bye, honey. Thanks for listening and do not forget to subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. And you can follow me at The Lady Sitter and be sure to come back every week for another pour of your favorite celebrity. Mm-hmm.